Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Medgar Evers. So grab your field secretary. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And it's February. It is. It's February. It's our first episode in February. I'm so grateful that January is over. She was a long year. Um, And it's (laughs) nice. It's nice to have February in the mix, which is not something I usually say, but wow, wow, wow. Yes. January blue. January. It was just, it was just very busy. I felt it was very chaotic. Yeah. Uh, Not a lot of time for myself to do things. You know what I mean? Like I had a lot of fun. I did a lot of, like Caroline and I did a lot of fun things. I just, uh, you know. Not a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish for my own self. Totally. So I feel like, yeah, you know, February is the start of the new year. Absolutely. Yeah. January was a wash. January was yes. a wash. Let's yes. forget that January, it was January 2023. And now we're in 2024. Sure. Yes. And of course, along with the month of February comes Black History Month. So here we are. It's very exciting. Great month. We've done a lot of episodes over the years. Mm -hmm. And today is no exception. I'm actually very excited for this one because, and I'm, you know, I'm curious if there's other people who had this experience, but living in Brooklyn during the pandemic one of the biggest places to go get your vaccine shot was at Medgar Evers College. Oh, I in did not Brooklyn. Know that. Yeah, they I it, did. Well, it I was don't like live in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yes, of course you you live sure, sure. um up 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 and away. Yes. But no, it was like I feel like everybody I know got vaccinated at Medgar Evers College. That's great. And it was such it was such a pop big operation that they ended up changing the stop on the subway, which I forget if it was Franklin or wh- what stop it was on like the the red and green lines. They changed oh. the name to Medgar Evers College because it just became oh. such a 
Like Such everybody a de- needed a to know where to go. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like get off here. Come get, get off your shots. here. Yeah. So it's wow. it's just right. It's right up the way from where I live. Oh, that's currently. amazing. Yes. It's a whole oh. college. It's a whole college yes. named after this man. Yes. I mean, that's the reason that I've heard of Medgar Evers is because of Medgar Evers College. Sure. Which yep. is in my own mm. backyard. So this feels very local, uh-huh. very uh, yeah. personal in a way. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I feel like even though locally it feels like somebody that is very well known, Medgar Evers is not a name that is that I Mm-mm. that I encountered in my education when speaking no. about like all of the icons that you learn about with the civil rights movement and and all of that. So curious 100%. to shed light on what happened, the kind of tragedy yeah. of yeah, because he uh, I mean we'll talk about it, but he his uh, he was assassinated. Um, yeah. Um, but his assassination was a, a real turning point in the civil rights movement. And uh, I, I had no idea that that yeah. was true until I did this research. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. Isn't it strange the things that we like omit from mainstream education? Right. It's like you like, learn why? about the civil we rights add act. add him to the mix? <laughs> right, right. You learn about the civil rights act, but you don't right. learn about what – really propelled you know it's just right right it's so it's so odd like learn this learn the years and the names you know the years the acts were passed and the names of the acts and but that's it but that's as if that was important but not right not how it got there and what's in it and why what it does the fact that we did it not why you right, know. right, right. Just that we did it. Just that we did it. That's what we have yeah. to learn and celebrate is that we did it, but right. not why. Like at not not what tragedies brought us to this place. Sure. Yes. Love it. Um, love well, it. Should we talk about the sources? Yes. Always. Cool. Always. And I. Oh my gosh. I see. I see. Go. Go on. Tell them. Yes. It's two two new sources. I don't think we've ever used either of these. No. One is the aforementioned COVID vaccination site, also known as Medgar Evers College. Obviously, they have great info yeah. on Medgar Evers and his life and his work and the aftermath of his assassination and mm-hmm. obviously a great resource. And then the National Museum of the United States Army. Oh. Because he served in the army in Normandy. Oh. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I know. He's really – it was great learning about this man. Totally. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that the reason we were learning about him is because of he course. was then assassinated and all of that. But it was – I was really happy to, to learn about this man. Yeah. Jeez Louise. All right. Well, I mean, let's jump in and learn about this because I had yeah. no idea he was in the army. Yeah. So let's let's start with, with, the, <laughs> with the question on everybody's mind, which is who – who was Medgar Evers? Medgar Wiley Evers was a civil rights campaigner and field secretary for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or the NAACP, whose murder in 1963 prompted President John F. Kennedy to ask Congress for a comprehensive civil rights bill. First pause. The name Wiley I would mm-hmm. love to see it back in the zeitgeist. I think you have ample opportunity. You have no children yet. It's true. Bring it back. That's bring so it back. true. There was some other name that we were like, this, bring it back. I know. And I, I think along with our episode ideas, 
we yeah, need we to gotta start, start keeping a list of baby names. names. Mm-hmm. So when I have kids, I can be like, mm, we'll go with Wiley mm-hmm. this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Evers became the first martyr to the 1960s civil rights movement, and his death was a turning point for many in the struggle for equality, infusing other civil rights leaders with renewed determination to continue their struggle despite the violent threats being made against them. In the wake of Evers' assassination, a new civil rights motto was born, quote, after Medgar, no more fear. I mean, yeah, because if they're going to kill us anyway, sure, why, why would we have to fear? I mean, you know, again, as like dark as this is to have a slogan mm-hmm. come out really strong, really strong. This is a great slogan. It's a great slogan. You know, it's very yeah. much like remember the Alamo. It's very much yeah. like come and mm-hmm. take it, it's you concise. know, like, yeah. yeah. D- yeah. Totally different circumstances, but like mm-hmm. the 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 don't tread on me, like yes, the short, quippy mm-hmm. slogans. We don't do that anymore, right? Like we yeah. do it out, a- like we kind of do it after, but it's not in like a sort of battle cry. Like nine eleven was never forget, but there's not that's not like right energetic. Right. You know, it's it's right. very somber. It's Whereas very somber like and also energetic. It also leads you to like a, to a, I think a bad place where like never forget means you can never move on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like we've kind of gotten to a place where it's like, okay, yes, don't forget the people, but we also do need to kind of sure forward as a country. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a very like forward movement in this slogan. Right. I like, yes, it, yes, it's, it, Forced it, it propels you forward. Mm-hmm. I like, that's why I like, even though it, it has, obviously it's referencing a very negative event, it moves you forward. Right. So let's talk about Medgar's early life. He was born in 1925 in Decatur, Mississippi to James and Jesse Evers. During his childhood in Decatur, Evers encountered overt racism on a daily basis. Totally. I mean, yes, that sounds perfect. That yeah, Mississippi in 1925. Of the, of the time. No, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. No, ma'am. Yep. When he was 12 years old, a family friend was lynched and the man's bloodied clothing hung on a fence for more than a year as a sign of intimidation. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that would frighten me. Yes. But <laughs> yes. you killed your friend and we're just going to leave this here. Just going to leave that right there. As a sign to the rest mm-hmm. of you. While in his teens, Evers watched from a safe distance as white gangs patrolled the streets of Decatur on Saturday nights, looking for a black target to beat up or run down with their cars. Jesus Christ. My God. Evers was determined to make something of himself despite the hatred of local white people. After dropping out of high school at 17, he joined the army and soon found himself fighting on Europe's battlefields during World War II. It's just so crazy that he was able to go from like such a horrible i know upbringing to being like mm-hmm. oh no i'm gonna serve this country actually mm-hmm. yeah that has done nothing to deserve me or that act mm-hmm. it's just like like am i i'm gonna go and potentially give my life for this country yeah. that's full of people who have nothing but i mean not the not that the country is full of people the people 
that he has encountered. Totally, totally. But yeah, his world. The people that he has encountered in his world have done nothing. To deserve him. To, to, right. There's nothing to deserve his sacrifice. Totally. Because they've intimidated him, probably beat him up, and or his friends. And, yet and World War II. Oh, Going to Normandy. Going to Normandy. To Normandy. To like, Normandy. we're not just talking about, like, yeah. patrolling the coast. You're going to Normandy. Yeah. Yikes, mcgikes. Yeah. Yeah. During World War II, he was assigned to a segregated field battalion in England and France. Although some black soldiers refused to come back from France, where they were treated as equals, some vowed to return fighting. As Medgar said to his brother after a racial incident, quote, when we get out of the army, we're going to straighten this thing out. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So he goes to the army and sees, like, in France and in England, and he sees how black people are treated not like shit. Right. And he's like, oh, a whole new world over here. Right. Let's make America more like this. Right. Well, isn't it also insane? Because I don't, I mean, you know, I don't think it's highlighted a lot. But, like, we're fighting World War II. Uh, a global insane, especially at this point, like, when we're getting to Normandy, like, this is this is a big, big war. Yeah. And yet we're still, as the United States, holding on to something as stupid and dumb as segregated battalions it's like hey hey there are there are bigger things at work than your insanely dumb prejudices Mm -hmm. it's just like my guys we all bleed red it's true and we're about to all be bleeding red because this is Mm -hmm. fucking normandy yep yep whew yeah, I totally get. I totally get why people stayed. Oh yeah, yeah, and I totally oh, yeah. get why he's like, um, I'll be having some words back home. Yes, we'll be we'll be fighting a fight back home. Yeah, because again, yes, after doing Normandy, over. I'll I will not be going back to mm-hmm. that. Thank you very no. much. Thank you very much. So in 1946, after three years of distinguished military service, Evers received an honorable discharge, finished high school, and enrolled in Alcorn College in Mississippi, now Alcorn State University where he majored in business administration. There he met Miralee Beasley, whom he married on December 24th, 1951. Love. After receiving his Bachelor's of Arts degree, Evers and his wife moved to Mound Bayou, Mississippi, where he took a job selling insurance. Alarmed at the level of poverty and destitution he found among the black populace of rural Mississippi, Evers decided to do something about it, and he joined the NAACP. I mean, this is not at all the most moving part of what you just said, but I love that he got a Bachelor of Arts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. An artist. Great. Among us all. Great. Yeah. Comes back home, Mm -hmm. finds a wife, goes to college, gets Mm -hmm. a Bachelor of Arts degrees, and then is like, I don't like how things are. I'm going to join the NAACP. We're going to be doing something about this. Yes, I don't like I mean, this, this is a go-getter. This. Uh-huh. So speaking of go-getting, let's talk about his activism. He's in the NAACP. We're about to see some, some mountains being moved, some moves being made. He joined the NAACP to help the organization's campaign to desegregate the University of Mississippi. So we still have 
profound segregation, especially in the Deep South going on, mm-hmm. even at like in, in the post-World War, if you can even believe it. One of the oldest civil rights organizations in the country, the NAACP sought to secure the rights of minority groups and uphold equality under the law. As the NAACP Mississippi Field Secretary between 1954 and 1963, he began the work that he became known for, which was organizing local chapters of the NAACP and investigating violent crimes against African Americans. Two very intense jobs for different reasons. Very important jobs. I yeah, mean, you, it's interesting that those have overlaps. Like what? I know and that you could do both simultaneously. I mean, of I, I guess I guess you have to. That's you a know, lot of it's work. like that's a lot of work. Yeah. He also organized voter registration drives and led protests to desegregate public buildings. Evers worked tirelessly to force the University of Mississippi to follow the law and admit its first African-American student, who ended up being James Meredith, in 1962. This became a major moment in the civil rights movement, and thousands of angry white pro-segregationists rioted in response, obviously. Obviously. They sort of really can't get it together. No. Evers' work was dangerous, but he knew he had to continue fighting for change yeah i mean this is life or death and it it has been since he came even before since he was a boy (laughs) like even before coming back from the war profoundly life and death yeah civil rights leaders across the country applauded his efforts and he became one of the most well-known activists in mississippi evers inspired a generation of civil rights activists in mississippi and across the country As part of the NAACP, he developed connections between chapters by driving across the state, traveling 42,000 miles in his Oldsmobile in three years. Jesus Christ. That's a lot of miles. That's a lot. I mean, that is back and forth. You do the math. How many miles a day is that? Uh, A lot. A lot. Several hours. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot. Evers had the remarkable talent to transform a person's fear into concerted action. Ooh. He built a dedicated group of activists who made significant progress to ensure African-American voting rights in Mississippi, despite threats of violence that caused many to leave the state's civil rights organizations during the 1950s and 1960s. Mississippi activists and many others put grassroots pressure on Congress, leading to the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1964 and the Voting Rights Act in 1965. But of course, as we alluded to at the top of the show, he would not be around for those passages. No. So... Around this time that he's doing all of this work, threats on his life were, of course, a regular occurrence, and the Evers name featured prominently on many white supremacist death lists. Nevertheless, Evers remained completely absorbed in the struggle for freedom. I mean, completely fearless. Yeah. 
It's re- like if my name was on death lists, I'd right. be a little bit like, let's scale it back. Well, I mean, let's, let's maybe that's look the into. Thing, though, is like nowadays, if somebody <laughs> said, "Hey, your name is on a death list," I would, I would be like, "That's ludicrous! Like that's so." It's almost right. silly. I'm like, this like, is... is it on TikTok? Yeah. It's like, it's... <laughs> but back then, like, people were actually... Right. They were doing dying. something about these lists. Yeah. And they were and they were enabled by... Especially in the Deep right. South. They were enabled yeah. by law enforcement. There was no deterrent yeah. from violent crime against yeah. black communities. And so it was so real. It was so mm-hmm. real. And he's yeah, just Yeah. They like, were real threats. He's just like, this is bigger than that. This is bigger yeah. than your dumb death list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Evers' workday often lasted up to 20 hours, consisting of organizing boycotts, marches, prayer vigils, and bailing out those who had been arrested. In early 1963, the Evers' home was firebombed. Oh, my God. A few weeks later, on June 12, 1963, President John F. Kennedy addressed the nation, calling white resistance to civil rights a moral crisis and pledging federal support for integration. While President Kennedy's address was being broadcast across America, Evers was attending an NAACP function. Returning home just after midnight that same day, he was struck by a sniper's bullet and lay in a pool of blood on the doorstep of his home. Oh, man. He was shot at home. Good Fifty Lord. minutes later, Medgar Evers was dead. That's brutal. Fifty yeah. minutes? 50 minutes later. Oh, my God. Shout out, like, at his home. Oh, golly. Yeah. A tide of anger surged through the African-American community in response to Evers' death. The Federal Bureau of Investigation undertook an investigation of the case and soon came up with a suspect, white supremacist Byron de la Beckwith, whose fingerprints were found on a gun at the murder scene. Oh, don't even, don't even... I don't just even don't say it. I'm just like, so we're a white supremacist and also dumb. Like, well, it does, but but what course, you're about to say, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Say say it. So read the bullet. Read the bulletin. The bulletin. What am I saying? I'm so upset. Read the next oh, oh, bullet. The next bullet. The oh, next bullet. Oh, I know. I know. It, it, it is, doesn't matter. The, the the next bullets are just are absolutely many. So De La Beckwith was tried by all white juries twice in the mid 1960s. And both times, jurors failed to convict him. <laughs> you got fingerprints on the gun. Right. That he left behind at the scene. Sure. So not the, not the sharpest crayon in the box. But no. you've got evidence. Totally. But I can't imagine him being like, nobody's going nobody's gonna to convict me for this. No. No. Because all we need is a bunch of white people to, to look at the situation and be like, yep, that's justified. That's, or he that's didn't do it. Found. Yeah. It took 30 years for Della Beckwith to be brought to trial a third time. And I bet you he wasn't sitting in jail for those 30 years. So on February 5th, 1994. That's crazy. During our lifetime. Mm-hmm. I was nine. I was one. <laughs> During our lifetime. This is when he was finally yeah. tried. Crazy. A racially mixed jury found him guilty of the murder of Medgar Evers. Sentenced to life imprisonment, Della Beckwith died of heart failure in 2001. So he's in prison for seven years. Yeah. I just... It's so exhausting. 
Yeah. It's so exhausting that the murderer yeah. for Medgar Evers, who died in, let's say it one more time, 1963, yes. he was killed. Yes. By Dela Beckwith. Yeah. And we all knew that because, once again, his fingerprints are on the gun. Yeah. That's, I mean, gorgeous concrete evidence. We love to see it. I was alive when justice mm-hmm. was finally served. And even then, seven years. Yeah. And then you die. It's like... What? For yeah. premeditated murder in Mississippi? If the roles would have been reversed, Medgravers would have been executed. Oh, hung. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Let's talk about remembering Medgravers because obviously, as we've talked about, such a profound impact on civil rights and the movement. So in 1963, after his death, the NAACP posthumously awarded Medgar Evers the Spingarn Medal for services to the African-American community. His widow, Merle Evers, vowed to continue the fight for civil rights, and she has traveled the world to bring the struggle to an international audience. Between 1995 and 1998, Merle Evers served as chair of the National Board of Directors of the NAACP. Medgar's brother, Charles Evers, replaced him as the NAACP field secretary and eventually became mayor of Fayette, Mississippi. That's wild. And Mm -hmm. like kind of a beautiful full circle moment. And as we talked about at the top of the episode, in 1970... Medgar Evers College of the City University of New York was founded in Brooklyn, New York. And it's right up the street. Right up the street. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just, you just wish history was better, but it's not. But I'm glad that we bring these stories to the forefront because, again, I didn't learn about this in my primary education and you should you should know why we were prompted into action about things and this is very important and a very important example of that Mm -hmm. so with that said this is our episode on medgar evers if you like what you heard you can find us on twitter and instagram at let's get civical as always please remember to rate review and subscribe to us We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.